Welcome to Unscripted with Kirby Hossman and Bill Petrie. In this weekly podcast, Kirby and Bill talk about the world of marketing, branding, and promotional products. Unscripted is available only at promocorner.com, the leader in digital marketing for the promotional products industry. Now, here's Kirby and Bill. And welcome to this week's episode of Unscripted. I am Bill Petrie, one of your co-hosts, and with me as always is the man from Coshocton, Ohio. Everybody knows him and loves him. <laughs> one Kirby Hossman. Kirby, <laughs> how the hell are you? I am doing fantastic, my friend. It's good to talk to you, as always. Uh, the uh, I always appreciate your intros. It always makes me feel good. Well, I, I, I don't mean any of them, so <laughs> it's, just, it's just the first thing that comes off the top of my head. But there is something I do mean, Kirby. What's that? And, you know, obviously every distributor who listens to this call, actually every distributor in the industry, it's not just the people who listen to our podcast. I think I just called it a call, but it's really a podcast. Right. They all want to spend a lot less time entering orders and more time selling. They want to look amazing in front of their clients. They want to be organized. Their entire team needs to be organized. They want to improve their workflow. They want to see everything that's happening in their business on a beautifully designed dashboard. For sure. And do you know who can help you with that? Who's that, Bill? That would be the good people at Common Skew. And you know this better than most because you are an actual Common Skew client. Absolutely, and I agree with all of that. And how long have you been running your business on Common Skew? Uh, been since I think 2014. So that's, it's been a while. That's pretty impressive. That's pretty impressive. And you know, as you know as well as anyone, it's cloud-based. You can work from anywhere. It's fast. It's easy to use. It's beautifully designed. And the best thing I love about it, Kirby, it's built specifically for our industry. For sure. And so if, if you're looking to help stay organized and sane, give it a free try at commonskew.com backslash unscripted. I'm telling you, you'll be happy you did. Yeah, absolutely. It's a great, great platform, and so I highly recommend it, for sure. It, it truly is. It truly is. So, Kirby, I, as always, I want to thank you for having the courage to do this podcast. With Appreciate me. that. Uh, do you have a topic you want to start off, or do you want me to fire away first? Uh, why don't you go ahead? You lead the way today. Okay. So um, in less than a week, a group of about 80 promotional products industry professionals and me, so 80 industry professionals <laughs> and one unprofessional industry person, uh, are descending upon our nation's capital, Washington, D.C., uh, to participate in Legislative Education and Action Day, or known as LEAD. And it's something that PPAI puts on every year. I think this is the eighth year of LEAD, seventh or eighth year of LEAD, where we go and speak to our members of Congress both senators and congressmen and women, and talk to them about the issues facing the promotional products industry. And this year, the the most important thing that we're going to talk about is the a border adjustment tax. And okay. are you familiar with the border adjustment tax? I am, but probably not nearly as familiar as you are. So okay. jump in. So it's ideal, you know, it's it's kind of the law of unintended consequences. For sure. It's, it's designed to be a pay-for solution to cut income taxes, which who, who doesn't want to cut in their income tax, especially as we're recording this, today's tax day. Yeah. So <laughs> the, the, the border adjustment tax would levy a 20% tax on all U.S. imports, and that does include promotional products. And mm. when you look at our supply chain, and I can't tell you the percentage of our products that come in 
uh, from you know China and overseas. It's not low. It's not low. <laughs> it's got to be in the. I'd say, I would say it's probably around eighty percent, and I think that's even low. Yeah. Um, this really could hurt our industry. So, yeah. you know, next week, as a lot of us, like I said, meet with senators and congressmen and women to talk about the proposed border adjustment tax and how it's really going to negatively impact the in, in promotional products industry because people are going to buy fewer stuff right. or they're going to buy less expensive products or shift their advertising dollars to a medium that's not going to be taxed. I mean, all right. of this is going to hurt the small business owner. Um, especially in our industry. And so my question to you, Kirby, is mm-hmm. if you could sit and talk to your local uh, your, or your your congressman, the one who serves your district there in Coshocton, Ohio, what would you say about the border adjustment tax? What would you express them? Because you're a small business owner. Yeah. You're the exact type of person that we are, as an industry, going to legislate for or going to lobby for, I guess is a better way to put it. What would you say? Yeah. So I guess I'd start by saying to you and to all the folks that are going, I really appreciate it. You know, I think that's one of those, I'm sure it's probably a, a cool thing to do and I'm sure it's an honor, but I don't know that as an industry, we do a great job of thanking people for taking time out of their schedule um, to, to do it. I think it really is appreciated because um, to answer your question, I, it's a concern, right? I mean, it's a, I always, I'm a person who tries not to overreact uh, to any kind of proposal or um, uh, any kind of legislation because I think usually it ends up being less like its original form that then uh you know once it when it's originally reported it usually changes and morphs into something less um, offensive but this is one that I think you're right it has far-reaching ramifications for the entire industry, whether it's, I mean, I would think it starts with the suppliers um, because, you know, we've had the discussion on here, right, that that distributors are squeezing suppliers. Um, Well, those same distributors are not going to want to accept, you know, the pass-through. Right. Right. So I I actually think suppliers are going to be the ones that feel the squeeze first. Um, And then the smaller distributors like our business, you know, I think it really is going to have an effect on those. So, yeah, I think what you said about the law of unintended consequences is exactly what I would talk about, because I think it's one of those pieces where you go, look, I, I understand the concept, but it's going to have in many cases, I think it's going to have the opposite effect of what they're trying to do. Yeah. Well, I got to tell you, PPAI is taking a really great stand on this. I mean, they've already had some of their staff uh, travel to Washington, D.C. and Stone awesome. uh, leads that up. And they've met with members of the House of Representatives and the Ways and Means Committee and Senate Finance Committees to oppose the, the border adjustment tax. And so, mm-hmm. and, and one thing our listeners may not know is that the Promotional Products Association International, so PPAI, has joined a coalition of, of more than 400 like-minded business leaders, corporation, and industry groups, uh, which is uh, called Americans for Affordable Products, to oppose the tax. Mm-hmm. So... Um, really, um, you know, I think you said it best. This is real. Yeah. And I think usually people see, oh, look, a group of people are going to Washington, D.C. and talking about the value of promotional products. You know, we're going to talk about the value of promotional products. More importantly, though, this is a real issue, and this could really impact negatively 
our industry. So I encourage everybody to go to just go to your portable Google machine and put in PPAI lead and that'll direct you to the lead page and it'll talk about the uh, virtual fly-ins for people who cannot uh, attend lead or, or don't attend lead. There are forms on there that you can email your legislators directly on the exact topic we're talking about today, the, the border adjustment tax. And I would love for it if, if I went into some of my meetings next Wednesday and Thursday mm -hmm. and um, I heard, hey, I've already gotten five emails right. from someone in your industry about the border adjustment tax. Because, you know, as much as we probably all feel very disconnected from our elected leaders, I know I do as a general rule, um, we can make a difference if we all speak. So uh, I encourage everybody to uh, definitely speak up about this and, and any other issue they're concerned about. Yeah, and again, thank you. Thank you for taking the lead on this. So I appreciate oh, it. Oh, thank PPAI. They're the ones who organize. <laughs> I'm just I'm a simple cog in the machine, so I'm happy to be part of it. Cool. Cool, man. All right, Kirby, you got a topic you want to uh, fire down the, the uh, alley? Yeah. Um, so this is totally off topic. So, um, so I was, I'm curious. Um, I watched a... Um, 30 for 30. Uh, both of you and I are sports fans, so forgive me a little bit, but I, I, I think this will tie back to business. I'm just curious. So there was a 30 for 30 uh, recent one on John Calipari. Mm -hmm. John Calipari is the head coach of Kentucky basketball. Mm -hmm. um, now, I'm not – so I just want to put this out here. I'm not like a Kentucky basketball fan or anything like that. Um, and so the 30 for 30 is essentially talking about uh, Calipari's history and and how he is sort of villainized within the college basketball and frankly sports community sometimes for embracing the idea of the one and done so in college basketball the one and done is the you have to go someplace for one year you can't come directly out of high school and go directly to the NBA and so the best basketball players in the country tend to go to uh, college for one year and they treat it as a minor league for the NBA Right. And, um, you know, many people have said that's ruined college basketball and all that sort of thing. Um, so I'm giving this just as background so people understand. Um, so my, my question is, I, this one is, is, is a curiosity to me because I was watching uh, this 30 for 30, and Calipari very much is um, villainized. And I have an opinion about this, but I was curious to see if you had one. Um, and I can either give you mine first and let you think about it, or I can let you jump in. No, I'll jump in. Um, so I'm not a huge college basketball fan. I grew up in Texas. So the, mm -hmm. the sports I grew up watching were football, 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 <laughs> uh, football, and baseball. And okay. Football. <laughs> so I don't, I don't have – I mean, when I, when I look at John Calipari, I mean, he's, he's a very slick-looking dude, and he comes across as very sleazy. Um, I think that's just – he's been villainized. I think you said it appropriately. Here's the thing. Um, I, I don't love the one-and-done – but here's here's the challenge I've got. You're you're forcing maybe people who we as an in, we as a as a nation as a as a culture seem to place this importance on college mm -hmm. that I'm not sure is there anymore. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we've we've almost uh, as a society decided we're going to look down on skilled tradesmen. The plumber, oh, he's a blue-collar worker. <laughs> that uh, that uh, carpenter, oh, you know, he's a construction guy. Well, i got to tell you, those are not only necessary uh, things in our society, necessary occupations, but those are people who make a ton of money. 
mm-hmm. they make a ton of money. Um, and so I think by forcing kids to go to college when maybe they don't want to go to college or maybe the interests they have, they don't, they don't, uh, they're not college material. And I don't right. mean college material by intelligence. It's not their passion. Right. You know, I mean, I think about, I, I think these days you definitely have to go to college to like repair cars because there's so much computers, so many computers in them. But 20 years ago, I don't think you needed to go to college. You go to a technical school and there's nothing wrong with that. So if we kind of extrapolate that out to your example of basketball, why should kids, if they're really focused on, going to uh, or playing basketball at a higher level whether that's the nba or maybe over in europe or italy or i guess at least part of europe so that was mm-hmm. redundant why do we make them go to college <laughs> why do we make them go to college for a certain number of years when we all know it's a sham anyway well you know what yeah so I, it's this is one of those things where i think and by the way i don't think college basketball is unique i think all sports sometimes we hold uh college athletes you know professional athletes to a different standard than we hold ourselves and i think right. it's funny to me um because it's like in no other area would we villainize um a an exceptional talent in a field of study for leaving school to like i i come back to physics like they're always like because the pushback's always hey their education is super important Okay, Mm -hmm. so if you are a leading physics student, a physicist, and you get the opportunity to work on a project with Stephen Hawking, right? No one would look down upon you leaving school to do that because you are pursuing the thing that makes you awesome at what you do. But we do that with college athletes. I think it's just it's silliness to me. Couldn't agree more. I've used that almost a similar example my entire life when I've had this conversation with people. If if I'm a a sophomore at Texas A&M University and IBM comes and says, "Hey, we've got a we think you're tremendous. We'd like you to come out of school, or we're going to pay you a ton of money, and we're going to you know take care of you or whatever." Who the hell wouldn't do that? So I've used the same example. You yeah. know, I just I think we put this importance, and I know it's kind of a tangent to what you're talking about on college education that it's a necessary thing. Yeah. And and I look at the debt people are incurring and all that, and I think it's I think it's more important to to follow what you want to do, and, yeah. and whether it's in and, and, and who's to say whether it's misguided or not. I mean, I'm not I'm not a huge proponent of people forsaking education to make it in basketball any more than I'd be uh, encouraging someone to forsake their education to make it in the entertainment industry, right? right. Because the odds are so low. But um, you can't force people to go and learn something when they're not wanting to do that. Yeah. Well, and my whole thing is, is these folks, these these kids are getting the opportunity to perform at the highest level too. Like, you, you know what I mean? It's not like they're just going and living on a couch. Right. <laughs> no, look, look, there are people who play college sports that use that as a vehicle to get an education. Yeah, I was I'd one of them. Lo- yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and there are people who use college sports as a hopeful springboard to a career in professional sports. Yeah. And, and I, I, I mean, the whole thing, here's, the, here's what it boils down to, is the whole NCAA is a fraud anyway. Yeah. If anybody thinks it's truly amateur athletics, you're blind. Yeah. So I think the problem really lies with the NCAA. Let's just call it what it is and, and move on from it and maybe start paying some of these athletes too, at least a stipend. Um, man, we're really going off. Yeah, today, sorry, buddy. It's my fault. That's okay. <laughs> no, you've completely drawn me off sides. <laughs> Yeah, I had a feeling I wouldn't have to work that hard on this one. But, yeah, it, was, no. it, it popped into my head when I saw the 30 for 30. So yeah. um, be curious to hear what the audience thinks of this, but we can certainly move on. 
No, that's a that's a that's a good good one. So I, I actually do have another topic here, um, and it is focused on our industry. Okay. So um, a member of the uh, current PPAI board, um, there's uh, some meetings next week, and asked me for some feedback in advance of that meeting. What did I see the biggest challenge facing uh, suppliers and distributors two to five years down the road? Mm. And, and that's a good question. I think it's one that we need to uh, ask ourselves uh, and, you know, really think it's, it's one of those uh, strategic foresight things. You start thinking about what does it mean? And I have an answer to that question, and I'd like your answer as well, and I can go if you'd like. Yeah, go ahead. So I, I think the biggest challenge that we face as an industry two to five years down the road is really the stability of the current supplier distributor model. Mm-hmm. Because from my perspective where I'm sitting, it's real easy to see larger suppliers and like PCNA and HIT and Sanmar, and they seem to be poised if they felt like it. And it's a big if, but if they felt like it, to go direct, and that would rattle a ton of cages, mm, right? Yeah. We talked about it before. Suppliers are continually squeezed for more. Yep. More free samples, more rebates, more special pricing, more, 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 more. And I'm concerned we are really close. We're teetering on a parapet, if you will. Wow. And, uh, yeah, we're <laughs> – you like that? Yeah, that's we, So we, we are teetering on a parapet where a large supplier is going to decide that the benefits of going direct, where they would have control over their sales force, control over their messaging, they would have higher profits by taking out the middle person. When they see those benefits of going direct, they finally outweigh the consequences of the lost sales they would get from distributors who would boycott them. Right, of course. So I guess my, my if I could bottom line it, unless the distributor group as a whole starts truly treating suppliers and distributors, that, that relationship, as the partnership so many of them hollowly proclaim, yeah. proclaim it to be, I think it's going to become a reality. So I'd like to know what your thought is on what you think the biggest challenge is two or five years down the road. And, I, and you may agree with me. You may completely disagree. You may have a different direction. Yeah, no. So I, it's funny you said you – I had actually made a note while you were talking about partnerships because I do – I actually was talking to um, our good friend uh, Jason Lukash uh, the other day. And I said people throw around the term partnership uh, when – it makes sense for them when it's in of their, course. you know what I mean, when it's in their best interest. But it, they it, do the same thing with the word ethics too. Yeah, fair. Um, but yeah, so I, I think that yours is a legitimate concern. Um, but candidly, it's one that is so far out of my control that I don't spend a lot of time on it. Um, so I haven't given it enough thought to to say, yeah, that that could happen or it couldn't happen. Uh, for me, I think that the, the challenge for the and you're talking about for the distributor, right? Or are I'm you talk- talking about both? I'm okay. t- I think the, I th- I basically think the supply chain, the way it's constructed right yeah. now, is really at risk. Yeah. Um, so uh, the the two things when you say, and I mean, I immediately wrote them down, um, are differentiation um, mm-hmm. from and, and honestly, both suppliers and distributors, but distributors in particular. And I know you have rattled that cage a lot, but I really do think for the next however many years um people talk about online but i think that you know even the non-online competitors still we all go into each client saying the same thing Mm -hmm. um so differentiation and trying to figure out a way that why anyone should buy from me or anybody else's continues to be a challenge and then it actually the one that pops into my head is shipping because we are one of those industries where 
You know, you don't have to ship a radio ad. You don't have to ship. And those continued costs, whether it's fuel costs, whether it's right. all that stuff that's totally outside of our control, um, those are things that I think th- that pop into my head as concerns that are right in front of me in the next couple of years. All right, and we might, and we may have to add the border adjustment tax. Yes, I mean, we, we, and I hate to beat a dead horse, which means I'm going to absolutely <laughs> beat a dead horse, but that might be added too. So, just interesting thoughts. I'd love to hear from our listeners what they think the biggest challenge is facing the industry, not just distributors, not just suppliers, but biggest challenge facing the industry over the next two to five years. Yeah, I'd like to hear that as well. Awesome. Do you got another topic for us? Yeah, real quick one. Um, so content, both you and I, I mean, this is obviously a piece of content. And then, um, you know, I, cr- I create a fair amount of content, as do you. Yep. Um, and so I'm, I'm in one of those lulls where I'm trying to debate, you know, um, the value of continuing certain pieces of content. Right. Um, I have historically been under the deal of, hey, you know what? Uh, one is better than zero. So each touch, you know, if I create a piece of content and one person sees it, then it is better than not creating any content and no one seeing it. Um, But I think that now that I've got multiple pieces out there, there might be diminishing returns on my time. Right. Um, And so I... I'm I'm currently struggling with that, and so I'm trying. You know, it's like to keep doing or not keep doing. That is the question, and so I'm curious to see if that's something that you ever kind of dig through, um, or if you have any thoughts on that. I I I do dig through it. I have dug through it, and I do have thoughts. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, I'm I am you know like you. I I've created my fair share of content in the industry, um, and and I enjoy doing that. Yeah. And but there was a tipping point where I felt like that almost was my job and it was stuff I wasn't even getting paid for. Now, I knew that the content I was creating was leading to clients. This is back in my brand of eight days, right? Yep. So, um, but it got to a point where I felt like I was being redundant. I felt like my quality was slipping. I felt like, you know what it felt like? It felt like it said, when when creating some of the content felt like a duty. Right. That's when um, I started questioning I'm 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 going to have to scale back, and so I scaled back, and so um, I think that's a natural thing to do. I I, I almost look at it as like uh, if you start a business, if you are a brand new salesperson in this industry, the first eighteen months it's all cold calling, it's all prospecting, it's all just trying to get new clients, mm-hmm. and at some point, if you've done a good job, your business model will shift from all prospecting and all cold calling to much more of maintaining what you have and managing your business. So there's a nice mix. You're still going to be prospecting, but you're also going to be doing other business activities. I think content creation is the same way. Mm. Um, There was no way personally I could keep up the pace. And maybe that speaks to my level of intelligence. I don't know. (laughs) Uh, Or level of talent. But, you know, I, I had to scale back. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, and I found that when I did scale back, I was, I was energized. Right. I felt like the quality uh, of my writing was better. I felt like I was focused on it and I started looking forward to it again. It didn't feel like a duty. Right. If that makes sense. Yeah. It makes a ton of sense. And it, it, it you know, I, I, I'm going back and forth, right? Because I think yep. I'm a believer in consistency um, yep. and putting something out there on a regular basis, but I just want to make sure that there's value. It's, it's consistency coupled with decisiveness. When mm-hmm. I decided to scale back, I scaled back. I explained right. why to anybody who was looking for specific content on a specific day, and I moved on. I never looked back. Right. No, I never like it. Back. That's really good. It's, 
Yeah, no, I appreciate that. And you know what else, Kirby? I want to thank again our good friends at Common Skew because um, it's really a product we believe in. Um, Absolutely. We're, you know, full disclosure, Kirby and I are both friends with uh, Mark and Catherine Graham who run Common Skew, um, friends with a lot of people who there who work there, uh, Bobby Lehu and Kate Maceswitch and Aaron Couture and, and so many great people who really care about what they do. And it's a platform that's built completely for the promotional products industry. And that is such a rare thing. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So, any of you folks who are still running Profit Maker or something <laughs> like that, get in the 21st century. Go to commonskew.com backslash unscripted for your free trial. Give it a try. It's cloud-based. You're going to love it. And if you don't, they're going to give you a full money back, uh, all your money back on that free trial. So <laughs> for sure. <laughs> they really will. Yeah. So it, it's funny, too, because I was actually thinking about this, Bill. It's one of the reasons that when I recommend Common Skew to other people, it's the people. It's, yep. it's the Marks and the Catherines and the Aarons and Bobbies and all those folks of mm-hmm. the world because I know that they're going to tr- – take care of me and my business and so absolutely and, and, and even to further testament as they've grown they've added bobby Lehu, they've added samantha cates they've yeah. added people and they're people who really truly care about you your business and, and i know you've you've had conversations with them helping you with certain things with the platform for so sure they really care so i i know you know obviously they are a, a sponsor so i'm gonna have to say good things about them <laughs> um and so is kirby but but this is all coming from the heart they're yeah. good people there and it's a great great product so definitely go give it a try commonskew.com backslash unscripted kirby as always i thank you for having the uh, courage to do this podcast it was a good time and we will talk to you next week talk to you next time buddy thank you for listening to unscripted with kirby hossman and bill petrie unscripted is available every friday only at promocorner.com the leading digital marketing service for the promotional products industry